Buongiorno, and welcome to the Global Podcast, where we keep you up to date on the latest trends and insights on diplomacy and international development. I'm your host, Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Tecum Global Consultancy, based here in London, which produces this series. In this podcast, I sit down with thought leaders, diplomats, and experts on the field, as well as provide analysis from our own team at Pax to talk more about the need for diplomacy in international development in order to foster political will around greater social impact and good. So grab your headphones and let's get on with the show. On today's episode of the Global Podcast, we're going to dive into a topic that has been both hot yet somewhat taboo to touch, and that's precisely going to be the topic of philanthropy. Now, this is a very much the the trend and the craze as of late, with Hollywood actors and foundations popping up left and right within the developing world, trying to give back through philanthropy in order to develop and foster economic empowerment. And on today's episode, we're actually going to instead look at philanthropy and ask ourselves if actually it's really increasing a wealth gap between the rich and the poor, despite what it's actually looking to do. So in order to really assess that, let's take a look at the definition of philanthropy. Now, the Council of Foundations defines global philanthropy as a mix of civil society, community, religious, volunteer, and non-governmental organizations distinguished by their capacity to tap private initiatives and contributions for the public good. Another definition, as provided by Columbia University in New York City, is that global philanthropy aims to reduce inequality in developing countries through particular forms. These forms take the shape of contributions done by individuals to organizations such as the Red Cross for disaster relief and the efforts of global foundations, typically based within the United States or Europe, to distribute grants in developing countries. Another area we are witnessing growth is the emergence and expansion of indigenous philanthropy in developing countries, as well as the trend of impact investing, which we've actually discussed in previous episodes of the podcast, that dives into investing for social impact and development. Sounds good, right? And the definition sounds pretty fabulous, but what does it actually mean in practice? Has philanthropy actually walked the walk? Well, to some extent, if we really take a look at it, Yes, it actually has. Take a look at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Bill Gates, of course, being the founder of Microsoft. This foundation, moved The Lancet, which is the premier journal on global health, credited them in 2007 for making massive strides in boosting fundings for global health. As reported by The Guardian as well, two bodies of that foundation, the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunizations, also known as Gavi, and the Global Fund to Fight HIV-AIDS, Tuberculosis and Malaria, have delivered vaccines to more than 250 million children in poor countries and prevented more than an estimated 5 million deaths. And then, of course, there's the famed Hungarian-American philanthropist George Soros, who created Open Society Foundation that seeks to create a more inclusive society, as the name indicates, having initially started in apartheid South Africa by offering scholarships to black students and then leading its way to Eastern Europe post-Soviet Union collapse. 
clearly global philanthropy by some of the world's richest has led to some significant strides. But it's also important to notice that there are some issues of philanthropy as well. It's important to notice that these are just not only areas where they have not only failed to make an impact, but where at times the money itself was squandered. Let's take the prime example of the 2010 Haiti earthquake, in which an estimated 230,000 people were killed and resulted in unprecedented funds from the Red Cross totaling to about 32 million US dollars. That doesn't even take into consideration the $10 contributions sent by a text message from the United States. Now it's an amazing feat in what was achieved by the Red Cross and multiple humanitarian organizations and NGOs pouring in the money into the country for real relief. But as the 2012 documentary Haiti where did the money go highlight, the majority of the funds were completely lost, with much of it going to the maintenance of NGO staff on the ground or repetitive programs that ultimately did not help Haitian citizens. In fact, much of the money went to maintaining lifestyles of certain NGOs who were isolated from the general Haitian populace, forging an us versus them dynamic. We'll actually end up talking more about Haiti and NGOs during the earthquake in our next episode of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. Another example is Malawi, an underdeveloped nation that was primary target for foreign aid and philanthropic donations back in 2012, estimating to about 1.17 billion US dollars according to The Economist. But in the following years, it was revealed that the government officials who were receiving the philanthropic donations to be able to utilize towards programs and also reinvigorating the country's systems such as health and infrastructure Instead, they were pocketing the aid and philanthropical donations as well, increasing the wealth gap between the government or as well the elite Malawi circle and that of the everyday Malawi citizen. So we have to ask ourselves, how did we get here? What were the issues that led to this miscalculation in philanthropy? Clearly, it was not the intention of the philanthropist to have the money simply go rotten. Well, there are three things to consider if we look at it from both a diplomatic and an international development perspective. The first is the lack of monitoring and evaluation. Let's take the example of a philanthropist whom I became acquainted with earlier on in the year. This philanthropist, who I will not name, ended up giving a large donation to a Central African country. The donation was going towards a health program to be able to help nurses take a program which was meant for six months and condense it into three days in order for them to get the basic foundational knowledge for them to carry out a health service in the rural area. While I congratulated the philanthropist for what he was doing and the endeavor, and because I was quite acquainted with the country he was working in, I asked how he followed up in the year afterwards or the months afterwards once the program was implemented. The money was given to the government and the ribbons were cut and everything was supposed to be simply hunky-dory. He looked at me as if I was speaking to him in a foreign language or even Klingon and said, what do you mean about monitoring and evaluation? I gave it to the government. That's enough. Needless to say, I wanted to facepalm myself. Monitoring and evaluation is needed in order to hold recipients accountable and confront when lack of return is demonstrated, as just giving the cash and ticking the box in an annual report is simply not enough. You need to have the follow-up in order for them to really let you know how your investment is going. Philanthropy is an investment. The return you're anticipating is social. You want to see that pull through. Therefore, all actors involved must report. All actors involved must also have milestones to complete. And all actors involved must also do their due diligence to really make sure that it makes the most impact. A second issue to consider happens to be the one 
brunted most by NGOs and aid organizations receiving philanthropical funds from large foundations and donors. And that happens to be the pressure from the donor to get the job done and tick the boxes as quickly and sufficiently as possible. The issue with this is that there tends to be a sense of urgency coming in for the philanthropical organizations themselves to really get the job done, to be able to tick it off, report it on the annual report, and continue on from there as a job well done. The issue is for the receiving organization that receives the funds, they become so overwhelmed to progress the mission that they don't really do their due diligence to make sure that they are actually employing the best mechanisms to really engage with the correct people in order to see the money flourish or to really double check and see whether or not the dynamics are going to be supportive of the cash. This can allow them to make careless mistakes, careless mistakes in their programs, and careless mistakes with who they are meeting with in order to simply get the job done. And finally, the part that really hits the spot is little insight on the political dynamics. This is the best case when you consider Haiti, for example, when there was no consideration given in regards to the power void that was present, power structures that were present, the presence of the NGOs, the histories of them there, and how any other cash that goes in could end up having a repeat of cycle. Again, we'll have a podcast on this next week discussing precisely this. This is the most important because it is vital to understand the dynamics of the country you are dealing with. Who are the actors? Who is the political elite that has managed the power over the past years? Who are the marginalized groups on the ground who should be receiving their fair share of aid? Whether it is religious, ethnic, or tribal group that risks not receiving anything due to widespread suppression. And who are the other aid, humanitarian, and philanthropic actors Actors involved in the country. The worst thing that can be done is actually reinventing the wheel, so understanding who else is involved working on a similar project is really going to be crucial so you can understand how you can really fill in the gaps that are present. These are the key issues to consider when it comes to why philanthropy has been increasing the wealth gap between the rich and the poor. And of course, global philanthropy is definitely needed as it can change lives. Now, this is not to poo-poo global philanthropy and say that it's only going to lead to more rotten eggs and nothing being sustainable in the future. That's not the point at all. Global philanthropy is definitely needed as it can change lives as shown in the work of George Soros and Oprah Winfrey's school in South Africa. But what is crucial to understand are the dynamics and ensure measures are taken into place to ensure accountability that leads to greater sustainable development and a higher economic empowerment for the local populace benefiting from the philanthropical cause. We all have the chance to be a change maker in this as camp philanthropists, but it's about doing it right to make sure you're not doing it wrong. That brings us to the end of this edition of the Global Podcast. I'm Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Tecum Global Consultancy, which produces this series. Please do check out our website at www.paxtechumglobal.org. That's P-A-X-T-E-C-U-M-G-L-O-B-A-L.org to discover more about our work. You can also follow this podcast and the work of PAX on both Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you like this podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and of course subscribe on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Join us next week for another edition, and until next time, grazie e ci sentiamo presto. Ciao!